Hi, everyone. Welcome. My name is Blair Embry. I'm the communications manager for Prison Yoga Project, and we are really excited today to have Vanessa Nechi Gutierrez as our guest. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Nechi is a 500-hour certified yoga teacher. She joined PYP in 2019, teaching trauma-informed yoga classes for adults at the MDC, which is the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York City. Vanessa's work is focused on reconnecting the mind, body, and soul through yoga. Her study of generational trauma and the impacts of trauma informs her commitment to anti-violence work through a social justice lens. Thank you so much for being here. And I will lead us through a centering opportunity. This is an invitation. And if anyone is listening to this recording at a later time or you're driving, um, I recommend pausing and doing this at another point in time. Uh, So I'm actually going to start in a tall seated position, if that feels good for you. You're welcome to keep your eyes open or closed. And I'm going to lead us through a body scan. And before we start, maybe we can bring our focus onto the natural rhythm of our breath. A few more moments here. And a body scan is an opportunity for us to focus on different parts or different sections of our body that end in a holistic understanding and a felt sense of our body. I often like to start with the feet. Maybe your feet are touching the ground and that's a great place to inform feeling or touch. So bringing your awareness to your feet. If I mention something that you don't have a felt sense or a feeling about, no problem. A body scan is an opportunity to observe without judgment. And this blends beautifully with yogic practice. Creating a felt sense of our feet in union with the ground. Bringing this awareness up our shins, through our calves, meeting in our knees. All awareness in the knees. Allowing that awareness to flood up the front of the thighs, the back of the thighs, the whole thighs, 
that awareness is resting in our hips. Circling and surrounding our hips. In your mind's eye, locate the tailbone. And like a ladder, allow your awareness to climb up your spine. The low back. The mid back. The upper back. The awareness is resting on your shoulders. Allowing your attention to flow down your arms, cooling in your elbows, extending through your lower arms, reaching your wrists, your palms, all fingers and fingertips. Allowing your awareness to meet at the base of your neck. and slowly crawl up to the crown. Your forehead, your eyelids, your cheeks, your nose, your chin, your face, your ears, the whole skull. Bring the awareness to your upper body. The awareness to your lower body. Now whole body awareness. Whole body awareness. Allow this to seep in for another five breaths on your own time. Slowly bringing yourself back into the room when it feels good 
and right for you. Thank you. Yeah. I love body scans. I love it. You know, and one of the things I love it is um, one of the things I had learned is the yawning. And that yawning calm is, is significant of your body release intention. And, and, and when I teach my classes and we do centering and I see people yawning and I always say just embrace it. And the bigger, the better. Love it. Yeah, it's a an indicator that people are feeling good. Yeah, it's an indicator. Yeah, it's like you you're releasing, you know. And I always say, it's just just wash, just wash animals, you know. You know when when they when they when they get into stress mm. situations, the body usually tend to shake, and then after the shake, it comes a big yawning. You know, and that's the natural ways of, of them releasing the tension that was holding into the body. So. Nachi, what's your first memory of yoga? First memory of yoga. It actually came as, as an adult. The very, very first one. I remember um, I was working um, in a southern restaurant and the teacher decided they had a friend they, 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 to come and teach a yoga class. And, uh, and I try it and I was like, and that was back, I was 20, I think I was like 24. And, uh, I never really heard about yoga in my life ever. Even I was in New York already, like three years, four, three years in New York. I never really heard about yoga growing up. Um, so it was my first time. It's like, oh, this is like the most fun thing. You know what I mean? And that's it, you know, because when I start talking to my family, I do come from a background where I was thought the yoga was you were serving the devil, like you worshiping, you know, uh, the wrong person. So that in it, in it was the way that explained it was like, I'm so scared. I kind of like, kind of like step away from it. And then the second time then that I decided for actually really try it, it was, um, you know, I remember going through some rough path and I had a group on to this yoga studio in my, in my neighborhood. And I said, let's go do it. I'm like, sure. And I was so blessed that I have found this this yoga studio. It was called uh, it's closed now, but the name is Yoga Pe- Yoga People. And what a wonderful community! I felt so welcome, and it, everyone it was so kind. In in you know then, so I completely fall in love with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started practicing with most most of the teachers in that studio. So were Jiva Muti. Uh, t-shirt so I my my first yoga it was in the Jivamuti style and the wishes always starts with this beautiful like teaching you know and lesson and then you go to practice and meditation and a lot of you know singing too so that was that was that's that's how that's how it started for me with that you know with that community and and with the Jivamuti practice. Mm. That's a really devotional practice right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it's also very physical too. Mm. So it is. It is. It moves. It moves. Does moves pretty fast. But it also creates a lot. A lot of um, awareness with the body. So it's, it's like as you practice this, your teacher constantly reminds you, you know, to pay attention to where you are and what you're doing. And a lot of times they're like 
they will say they will read something or tell you a story in the class or the space in that story. And uh, so it was, it was it's always really, really, really fun. But in, in that is when, when I learned to realize how shady my mind was. You know what I mean? And that's, I think, one of the things that I that I love about that practice is, is that I start connecting with my, with connecting, it was a lot of disconnection then. And I started connecting and realized how harmful I was being with myself. And that practice started teaching me to be compassionate to myself. And it was not about the competition. But what I love about the community is that when they see, I, was, I, I don't know my left from right. And I, sometimes I I would struggle to understand something. They would look at me like, look at me. <laughs> and it was this really beautiful. And I had never felt that ever again after they got, I practiced there for about two years, three, two, three years. And after that, they closed. Um, and I never felt that community in any studio that when I when I when I practiced there. It was it was a beautiful community and it was a really so beautiful practice. But that's 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 how that's how my journey started. Yeah, yeah, in that in that, in that, that studio. Where are you from? Puerto Rico. I am from from the tiny island of Puerto Rico. Um, and I'm actually even more interesting when people, you know, think I'm like from a tiny little small, small town in the north, north side of the island and places that people know is probably Rincon and Aguadilla, you know, Mayagüez, which in that, in that part. But, um, but yeah, I'm in the little colony and you're just right next door to Rincon, which is a very, very well-known surf town. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> what was your childhood like? Well, my childhood, you know, in many ways, it was it was um, awesome. And in many ways, it was really hard. You know, uh, growing up in a beach town is, is fun. You know, the freedom, the freedom that you get to like run around all day and disappear. But I guess that was back in the 1970s. So there was not that much, uh, you know, it was a lot more freedom back then. But um, but it was, you know, it was a little rough. I had, um, you know, I grew up with a very, a very abusive father, not only not only physically abusive, but he also, um, it was mentally abusive. So I think the mental abuse, it was, it was, it was pretty awful. I have, but I had a wonderful mother. So I always tell people it's, it's pretty amazing because I grew up with two completely different, um, how you say that in English, a positive uh, people. I had a mother that they could not love me more and give me so much more love because I don't think it was possible that she was the, just pure love you know what i mean and and then have this father where he was like completely disconnected with himself to the point that he didn't realize the pain that he was causing to this family mm-hmm. so i grew up in a very interesting way because since a very very young experience what pure love and kindness means but it also understanding what mental illness can cause and the pain that can cause to people. And since very, very young, I was curious about it. And it's something that they, they came to me right now. It's, I remember when after my daddy would say uh, it was a beating and people would see me with bruises and stuff like that. And they would say, he's evil, he's dad. And from a very young age, I remember telling people, I think he's just sick. I think, I think he's not well. You know what I mean? And, uh, and because I remember most of the time, the next day he would look at me and he had no idea what he did, mm. you know, 
And I know it's always that that was the first time the curiosity of understanding uh, for me why people behave some ways they you know uh, and why people sometimes cause pain to other people. And I always see it as a, as a, as a, I, I, it, it created a lot of curiosity for me. So that curiosity started really, really, but it was, it was really hard. Um, you know, I, I, I was talking to you about yesterday, you know, one of the hardest things in growing up in that way it is, um, I remember being a really, uh, my mom wished by way very quick. Um, she got a, early in stage Alzheimer's. So I was, by the time I was 16 and she was 46, she, and the diagnosis with the disease, um, mm. the disease was really advanced. But it also, I grew up, I was born a little bit of a gift of being a little like stubborn and, and headstrong and always, I always stand up for what was right. So for many years at that point, by the time I was 15, 16, I always protected my mother. And I also have the strength when my dad was trying to do something. I would stop him and say, you can't do this and you can't do that. And of course, the beating went to me. Um, but um, but I remember being as a kid, being this very live kid, always talking, always very happy. And one of the hardest, most painful things that to this day that's been hard to overcome is growing up. And he used to say to me, um, you know, Vanessa, you need to do yourself a favor. And don't talk because uh, first you make me look bad and sick when people think that you're stupid, you know, and then you could see myself like slowly start shutting down, you know, and I think part of my trauma is kind of begin in, in that way. But at the same time, it was very confusing time to be so young and not understanding that, you know what I mean? So that's, that was my childhood. And, and, and it was, you know, it was having the ocean. It was very healing. Mm. Having, having remember, I, I was I only live half a mile from the beach. So when I was able to walk myself to the beach, I would go to the beach and uh, and just sit down with the ocean and be with the ocean, and just allow myself to be, you know. And whatever whatever pain I was going through, it's almost like I could let it go by just sitting down in the ocean and get the strength. It's like it represents so much strength to me. And, you know, and so it, it helped me. It was like my way of, you know, I guess, meditating without meditating. You know what I mean? And uh, so in something that that I didn't know that kept me kept me alive, it was meditating without have idea I was meditating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like getting myself into soft places and remembering, you know, being able to be still and just start breathing and. And put myself in a happy place. Mm. You know what I mean? And I remember many times going to bed and just hold into that that beautiful image, you know. And that image brought so much peace into my life. So so yeah. I'm sorry that happened. And that sounds like so much responsibility for you to hold as well as a young person. Mm-hmm. To have that mindset or that understanding of, oh, my parent is really sick and having to explain or justify who he is. And then this opposition that you're talking about as well is that you have this archetype mother figure who passed when you were quite young. And that's Mm -hmm. such a young age to be diagnosed with early 
Alzheimer's as well. And then you have your father figure. Um, how do you feel like yoga and meditation have helped to heal some of those wounds? Well, I think the most beautiful part is because um, for the many years I had such a negative image about myself and my self-worth. Like literally those words, even it is very interesting. This is, this is the beauty of the practice. Even to going back in my image, thinking about it, and I can feel the emotion coming up. I can feel, I can feel the emotion in, in this moment coming up and rising. And, and, and the beauty is that yoga helped me with this. And this is sometimes what I teach my students. That, that we can, we can, we reheal. And the, but the beautiful of the healing is that when you, these things happen, you start noticing and then you know, you know, you have your breath. You know, all you can do is just to breathe. So yoga helped me to when I was practice seeing how negative I was and listen to the teachers say, you are here where your body allows you to do today. And that's when I feel in many ways, I feel even life has been very hard. I feel very blessed because they had put in my life amazing teachers. There is, it is what I do, what I do now. Because them, because they in many ways saved my life um, for their teaching. And in, in, in the beauty of the yoga is when you, you know, the, it, it, it's something very special about the movements. And I think what it is, is it, it requires so much concentration. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? To know where you place your body, where you ease and where you move. And that flow um, is very healing. You know what I mean? Because I do believe yoga, yoga is not only the asana practice, but yoga, you know, I talked to me and yoga is not, it's, it is any movement that you can do that help you to connect with yourself, you know what I mean? Through your mind and to your heart. And if that means a walk where you can feel your step, then you, and you know, and you're aware of your breath and you're aware where you are, you're practicing yoga. But the practice itself of, of the asana which is the movement, one of the links of yoga, it is, it, it have a beauty in itself and a very healing, healing, healing modality. They work, they work beautiful for me. Thank you. And to continue expanding on that, when you were sharing a little bit of your story, I see a lot of crossover and similarity to the people that we serve inside um, high ACE scores. So ACE scores are adverse childhood experiences, very similar to what you experienced. Um, mm-hmm. And as we know that uh, trauma, whether it's big T or little t in our childhood directly affects and impacts the rest of our life. What do you feel contributed to you not continuing the violence? Um, my mother, I do have to say, there's nothing that inspired my life the most. It was my mother. And then those AA scores, I'm really high. Like my score, it's top there. And another test that I did while I was doing the prison yoga project training, which back then it was in person, is also was the, the one we did this, this thing where it was talk about privilege. You know, they ask you a question, take a step forward and then one back. And that was, that's actually was very impactful. It was really hard for me. I, I remember the end crying because while I thought it was extremely privileged, I ended up pretty much touching the, the, the wall. I literally was one inch from touching the wall. And that, that, that hit me really hard. But 
what what are what are my great inspiration not to to end the violence is that woman <laughs> that woman my mother that got it i don't think it's possible to 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 have more pure love like she she did to not to me but to everyone who was around her mm. she was an art teacher and one of the greatest memories I have to her and one of my greatest inspiration is when she had what the school considered the bad students, the trouble students. I clearly remember to say, she's like, they're not bad. They just need more love. You know, they just, and you know, even think about it, I can become emotional, but it was that beauty that I had to tell people I had never, the short time that she was in my life, I had never saw her saying anything negative about anyone. But she almost looked at them, with, even through my father, she looked at him with so much compassion that in my head growing up, being a you know, teenager and trying to grow up and trying to understand life, it would be like, why? Why? I don't get it. But it is amazing what a gift to now doing this work, say like, wow, what, what a gift I have in life. What a gift, you know, and I think she's just definitely by far the, the greatest, you know, the greatest inspiration, you know, like I'm so blessed to have, to have her as the mother. Mm. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And it's, it's very clear that you followed in the same path of compassion and serving others. And I think that's what it is and what I tell people. I saw what pain did. I saw how our pain feels in your heart. And I feel what a love feels in the heart. And I choose love. I choose love because I feel a lot better. <laughs> and so I, I choose I choose love over things. And I tell people, I go so much love that I all I want to do is love everyone. You know what I mean? And you know, and I, and I remember long time ago, I found this church community that was really amazing. And, and I, for the first time I decided, I'm going to go baptize because I really love these people. I love this church, you know what I mean? And I never really grew up, I grew up believing in God and having faith, but I never, we never really kind of went to church or anything. But I remember telling my pastor back then, Dr. Paul Smith, that I say, oh, I want to do is, I just wish I can love and hug everyone. And he looked at me like, well, I don't, do you think that's possible? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but I think through yoga, I found that. I think through yoga, I found a way to give what my mother gave me, to those ones who are suffering, to those ones that had society, which it also happens to me when society make you believe you're not good enough. You know what I mean? To those ones that, that they, for some reason, we judge um, without really knowing their stories so or why they act the way they are. You know, we're very quick to, to judge them. Um, but to those ones, I, I think yoga allowed me to to give that love that, you know, I tell people I'm full of love and there's no better way for me to to give it back than through my practice. They help me so much to heal. Mm. And I'm hearing the theme of our time together is resilience. How do you feel like yoga and meditation practice have helped fuel your resilience? resilience is you know it is it is it is the beauty of that is is that connection that self-compassion you know what i mean and 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 to understand that 
you know, that compassion to to understand that every day it is different. You know, what I mean, I, and I love when in yoga tell you that, you know, the life has ups and down, you know, and through the practice of yoga, you just manage to, instead of being up and down, yoga help you to almost maintain a little bit of, you know, and, and it's, it is the awareness. It's, it's the beautiful of aware where the emotion comes, you know, and one of the greatest things I learned is the grounded. So one of my favorite poses is those mountain pose. You know what I mean? Because the idea I, I, I like to talk about, you know, about feeling you know, the support of the earth gave you by grounding your feet. And then a lot of times I talk about it, just feel you, you know, I, I usually I tell them you know, lift your toes and then slowly ground your feet into the floor. And then start feeling that energy start rising up as you ground and your feet down into the floor. Allow yourself the energy calm. We keep feeling your your um your feet ground to the right, and then start going up and start getting taller. And place your hands, and it's a beautiful thing. And I ask them, can you feel the strength of the mountain within you? And I think it's that, and and the curiosity. I, I love why, and I think that's um, the, the to to look at your body with curiosity and compassion, you know, and and then that's 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 one of the greatest. I, I think I I I talk to my students uh, like I told them as do we go, we practice here. This is one day a week, but the way you can keep practicing this yoga is I invite you to ask you around to take time through the day, and to take a moment just to look around you and see what is happening. Open that curiosity that happens. Check with your body how you feel. You know what I mean? And and, and uh, talk about like the walking meditation in the middle of the city. Yeah. So can you take a moment as you're walking in foreign areas? Can you then pay the attention of how you, you know, you place your feet, you know, you know the, the heels into the ground and slowly to the, the ball of the feet? And can you notice that? And can you notice then how where's the breath going? And, can it, and as you're doing this, can you take a look around and see what is happening and what is happening inside of your body? And for me, that's, that's yoga in itself. That, that, and that's meditation at the same time. Because meditation, we, we, a lot of people have this misconception of the meditation is sitting down, still cross-legged, and, then, and, and just closing your eyes and not think. And where I, when I was doing my yoga training, my teacher said, that's concentration. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not meditation, but it's concentration. Which if when you have trauma, it's something really hard to do, you know? So, so I talk about, you know, the, be- the beauty of it through the true meditation is when you're completely aware of what is happening within you. When, when, when you're capable to notice and you shake with your breath and you make that connection, then you're practicing yoga. Then you practice meditation, you know what I mean? Um, something sometimes, you know, so the movement, the connection. Um, sometimes I notice that some still to this day, I practice what I did as a kid is when the emotions arise in a way, I allow myself, I, I love rocking, you know, so I, somatics has been very important to me, not only yoga, but something that's been very, very healing in my life has been somatics. So I, I talk to my students about somatics and I'm now sorely, which is a way of somatic and and um, and uh, uh, acupressure is the Jin Chi Jitsu practice, uh, and is about holding holding your fingers, you know, and mm-hmm. you, should, you know. Do you, do you know that one, Blair? No. 
You don't, you know, okay, so I'll explain in a minute, but it's just that for me, and for me, so, so yoga is that movement and what I like to do to people is like, you don't have to be here. Like, you know, I wish everyone could practice at least three days a week because I think a lot of healing comes from practicing, but when that's not available, this is the techniques you can do to practice, to practice in your own time when you're feeling safe and, you know what I mean? And, and it's into the daily curiosity of awareness, you know? And then just be when you feel safe. And I, I think that curiosity lends to non-judgment. Mm-hmm. I think the curiosity gives spaciousness too between like thought and behavior or thought and action. Mm-hmm. So having the mindset of curiosity do you think that that also helped build your confidence? You had spoken about earlier that you just had such a negative self-image. So how did, yeah, how did curiosity shift that self-image for you? I think, I think, so then, you know, the, 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 the self-compassion, it was, it was one of the hardest things to overcome, to, to not to overcome, to, to learn actually, to have compassion to myself, to say, you know, um, to acknowledge, you know, you know, self-compassion is a lot of work, you know, and to be kind and to notice when you got and then then be kind to yourself. I'll how to explain this one. It's almost like you talk to your shop when when that negativity comes, you know what I mean? And that's you know, and you ask, and I tell I I talk a lot about when something comes arise that doesn't feel so great in within within your body. When negativity comes, can you look at it without judgment, but ask them what they need? Mm-hmm. What do you need? And don't think, but just allow the answers come to you. And I see that answer might come in the form of a word or an image. And can you talk to it? Treat it as a little child is hurt or wounded. And be kind to it. Just be kind. And I and I told them this is not gonna happen. Oh, overnight, but it's like everything is going to take practice. So every time you notice, and that's why I constantly talk about curiosity with no judgment, but just acknowledge what is happening, and then and you keep practicing, and and then but um, but mostly it was learn to be to be compassionate to myself to understand that that what happened to me it didn't define who I am, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's a mantra that I myself they came to me into listening is trying to do this I, I, I this struggled a lot speaking off and I remember when I was in therapy I always when my therapist do the scan and tell me what you feel it I always remember having really hard time in this part of my body and for me speaking up what I believe and say and it it was really hard and then to have and start that compassion these start open up and they start releasing the tension you know what I mean um, so, but I remember, you know, when I started doing this and thinking that who, who I am to teach, so like, I'm not capable to do because some of us do have learning disability that sometimes I try to say something and words just don't come out, out of me. It's like, so I'm going to go. And, and, and uh, so I remember for the longest time, every time that the negativity come, I will tell myself, my passions are greater than my fears. 
my passions are greater than my fears, you know, and I repeat that mantra until that voice starts letting go away. And it's something I do with class. Now I, I kind of, when that happens to me, instead of shutting down, I, we, in my class, we laugh a lot. Um, and I talk about my vulnerabilities. And one of the vulnerabilities is, is that I say, I, sometimes I forget words. So sometimes, you know, I, I do. And then I tell my students, so I might need your help. We're a team here. I am not here. You know, I'm here to give, you know, I have a knowledge. I had studied this, but we're a team. As when you heal, I heal. And for me, actually, you inspire me in the way to keep doing this and, and being here. And so I always say we are here together. So when I forget a word, I'm going to need your help. So sometimes I'll be like teaching something like push down, like ankle. Thank you. <laughs> so we do, we do, we do. I, I, I believe laughter is, is one of the most beautiful way of healing. And, 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 and but it's, it requires so much compassion to yourself to be able then to look those things that we consider they're not, you know, they're not the way that the society tell you you should be, or the, the way you should be, you know, like then when you let that go and go like, okay, I, you got my back. Yeah. Thank you. You know, but just to, 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 to be lied to yourself, you know, when you're not functioning as society want you to function or you're not what society tell you you should be but to honor who you are as you create it it is really really beautiful you know and and I always say everything I get I went through it is it was beautiful in itself because it showed me compassion it showed me pure love it showed me it showed me to love everyone the way they are and I think this really lends to our trauma-informed framework in a couple ways you know, one of the pieces that we is that we meet everyone with positive regard, every person that we meet. Mm-hmm. And then also I hear that you are immediately dispelling the hierarchy of that the teacher, the teacher comes in mm-hmm. and knows more, right? And the teacher is the one that's dispelling the information. And so it really allows this equality to happen. Mm-hmm. in space which is part of our trauma informed modality so the people that we facilitate with are our participants and and we're a facilitator and i love that humor and laughter is also part of your class because i think for a lot of people that are incarcerated that might be the hour of their day where their life feels light or joyful so i just think that that's another amazing piece of the kind of programming that we offer i i do you know most most like you know i think it's a privilege to do this work it is it is an honor to do this i mean it is like it's just like you know i say i feel it right here it is it is it is a privilege to do this it's a privilege to be able to be to go there and serve these people that that we the society somehow had pull away and label it in a way without knowing anything about it. And in what I feel like I is a privilege. I learned so much from them. They give me, you know, I, I tell people when I walk into my to the studio, when I walk into into the prison, it's like I could have been having a bad day. And I get there and I see, you know, my people and it's it's almost like everything is the beer. It's this beautiful life that they, they, they come seen. And then it's just, it's, I don't know if the gratitude of what it is, but they light up my life. They inspire me every day. 
to keep learning about what trauma does to the body. You know what I mean? What, um, you know, and it kid me to educate people. You know, I'm constantly talking to everyone. They tell me, what do you do? Oh, this is what I do in this. <laughs> so I go really, but I'm constantly people go like, oh, wow. You know, I, I didn't know that or I didn't know about this trauma. You know what I mean? But mostly to create awareness in our society. Of, we need to start taking care of, of each other and, and be more compassionate, you know? And I tell people, the more compassion you want to be to yourself, the more compassion you're going to have to others mm. you know and uh and then I tell people be kind to yourself you facilitate a lot of places which is amazing I'll, I'll list them off so you facilitate at Metropolitan Detention Center and you teach the women population there mm-hmm. yeah in MTC yeah and then you're at Exodus Reentry Center, mm-hmm. and they also partner with a women's shelter that uses their program. So it sounds like you facilitate for a lot of people there as well. Yeah. And then there's an amazing program called CAVI, and that stands for Kings Against Violence Initiative, and that's in Brooklyn. And they mm-hmm. facilitate at schools. Yeah, they facilitated in a high school. And then they also, they're talking about it also trying to bring, you know, the, the trauma informer into a kids' hospital. Yeah, wow. So because, because it's a hospital, they encounter a lot of the people that go there. It's like wound shots or stabbing. So it's a pretty, pretty high, high level of stress hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which okay. is one again. so sorry. It's one again, one of the beautiful the things and the beautiful things that what we do is how we spend it. Because sometimes we think that, you know, we have the prison that is, you know, that is within these walls. But then we don't think about the prisons that we live in as a society. And, you know, I mean, and sometimes how much harder it is um, to where we, you know, we have, we know our foundation, our grounding is our feet, but it also our home. And mm-hmm. if our home is not safe, it's really hard to find healing. And how beautiful for me is, and it's kind of when my 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 dream of of facilitating, you know, this this practice now has spanned like how I can bring this more to society because we need it everywhere, you know. We we need not only when people come out of prison to then to have to come to a house that is all highly traumatized and everybody's disconnected. How much beautiful it is if we can help the family and the society. To learn how to to support each other and self ground themselves, and you know, and and find the healing that we need as a society. Mm. I agree. Yoga and mindfulness. I would love to see it everywhere. Yeah, I feel. I feel like it needs to start. It needs to start in pre K, <laughs> and then be it everywhere. You know, and that's one of the things I might do. I might do in in you know in the fall if it's permitted and. When I mention it to the teachers, they love it. I say, how about that instead of having one class that we maybe get students, maybe done, I come maybe once a month or twice a month and I help the teachers to have, with adding to their schedule, but adding like a quick centering exercises that are not only going to serve them, but they're going to serve the students. Because here, especially here in New York City, we it is, violence is growing, it, it feels I tell people for the very first time in my life, I feel unsafe in New York City. Wow. And, and we already have, you know, they're teenagers. They already don't get sleep. They already come from homes that probably have a lot of trauma. And how beautiful it is to start a day or start every class with just a few minutes of centering and observe what happened. And the teachers look at me like, yes, 
we're going to talk to. <laughs> so we'll see. Cross fingers. Uh, they they they're going to talk to 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 the directors and and see if that proof for me to come and, and give something for the teachers to offer their students. It would be incredible. I feel like it was the Dalai Lama. He said, "If you want world peace, teach every." sixth grader meditation or mindfulness, right? Something like that, right? Like start I, young. Yeah. So, start young. so it's integrated. Exactly. I, I have, so I babysit twice a week and I have this two and a half year old now, but when she was six months, I started to teach in, um, um, Peter Levine Vu exercises. It was funny because I would do it with my therapist and I didn't know exactly why we were doing it until I read about it. And it's the idea that when you inhale, you know, natural, and then you inhale, and then you go on so the air is out. It helps to bring oxygen to the whole body, and it helps to then, you know. So usually in my yoga classes, instead of OM, I ended up with a VU. But I teach this technique to a six-month-old baby, so I when she would get angry to this day, I say, Lizzie, show me patience, and she go, ooh. <laughs> so sweet. So she knows and she's two and a half and she knows, you know, it doesn't always work, but for the most part, I say, show me patient. <laughs> and she knows, she knows, she knows that she have to go. <laughs> I, I was teaching an outdoor yoga class that I called whole family yoga at the LA Arboretum when I was living in California. And I would incorporate nature. We're at an Arboretum or outside you know, and to kind of get the kids attention. And I taught bee breath, which is the humming. Mm. Oh yeah. I love that. I teach that one. Yeah. 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 And it, so I watched this little girl and she's sitting there with her legs crossed and she has her fingers on her face and she's humming. And then she opened her eyes and they were just so big. She was like, that was amazing. And I had spoken with her mom and she kept doing it. And so I feel like when we teach kids, they have an affinity. There's a there's a naturalness to meditation and and movement that they really love. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, but but that's one of the beauty about teaching in the population that we teach too is how the willingness of healing they they're in, in inside of them and the gratitude. When I, I actually practice that, and they all look at me like, "Wow, that was so cool." You know what I mean, and uh, and and uh, so it is. It is. It is what I. You know, one of the things that I I say that is the most fascinating is the willing to learn what could help them to 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 be to be more at peace. And 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 it's it is it's pretty awesome. Something that now you mentioned um the nature is, is something I always use a lot as a way of healing. And before I I, I I started doing it before yoga came along, it's something I'd done from very young is when I was feeling that emotion arise, I would took a piece of nature. And I tell, and I used to say, and I used to say this to myself, then I tell people, you should try this. It works so good. I said, just, if you're feeling, just take something, take a leaf, a tree, a flower, and just look at it. Mm. And just breathe and start looking all the details in that part of nature. You're looking at it. And look how fascinating it is. And just breathe as you're doing it. And then, then you realize after a while, it's like whatever it was in here, you start realizing it's sucked in it. So, so, so that, that is something that, uh, that I always had used since I was really, really young. And like I said, I don't know, I, it was, I, 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 part of me, I was, I guess, 
it feels weird to say it, but um, but I feel like I was born with this gift to be able to understand some things and to be able to get myself to heal myself. And I always say, you know, when people say, oh, I'm sorry, you have to go through what I have to go through, I'm actually extremely grateful for the father that I have and the mother I have, because then I always wanted to do something to to contribute to the world, to change the world in a way. And I don't think I was able to do that if I didn't understand pain the way that I have to understand. I have to go through the pain that I would to understand what it truly means. You know what I mean? And I would not understand love if I didn't have the love that I got in my life. So I think in some ways, deep in my heart and my soul, I knew I wanted to do something in the life, had to show me the path through it and trust that path and going through it. So instead of judging them, the why this has happened to me, and I always say, I always say this to my student because this is what I do, this is what I'm learning from this, what is life teaching me about this and how I can grow from this, you know? And, and so it is, it is, it is for me, that's, it's been a great, great healing, you know? And, and once again, you know, in the, in the practice, and this is, and when you practice yoga, this become more alive. You know what I mean? When you, when you, when you start then connecting to your body, to the practice, you know, and and know that today it might be good, and then tomorrow it doesn't feel so good. Now you understand that compassion through 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 your body is, you know. I had a thought that I was going to keep building on. <laughs> it flew away. Oh no! <laughs> but I think it's the time to transition mm-hmm. and we can invite our community to ask questions. Okay. Yeah. So okay. once again, the black bar at the bottom of the zoom screen, there's a box that says Q and a, and you can drop any questions that you have in there. If it's easier for you. You can also drop it in the chat. Sometimes it's just a little more organized in the list in the Q and a. We'll give it a minute. People muster up the bravery to get the <laughs> questions in. What practice or pose do you feel that people have been responding to? lately sometimes I feel like it changes but it changes I think you know it's funny to say really I think my my favorite like I said before is like mountain pose because I think about you know I joke about it so if you go to a yoga studio people say mountain pose and people just stand there but if you understand the power of the pose you know what I mean and it goes with every part of, of every pose in yoga you really understand the pose how to work and you listen what is happening you know what I mean and you know like we always say it's always invitational you know so I always tell my students you know I invite you if this which is very important and I didn't mention in here I get a little nervous so sometimes I forget what I'm exactly what I'm going to say but as we know the class is always invitational so I always tell my students I invite you to to you know if it's your able and your body allows you today then to do this and and I think Students like when we have a little bit of fun. So, of course, they always love tree. And I always talk about the bending tree. You know what I mean? Like, see, we've been just, if it's bend, it's just the wind. You know what I mean? Another one that um, 
they, they that I know is the resilience with them, which I love, is a little bit of the combination of the Qigong. It's like when you, you know, shake your body, you know, mm-hmm. move around and invite the energy to move. They seem to be very resilient. You know, they 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 seem to love that one, you know, and invite and invite the free movements to see and to charge, you know, and, and to tap, you know, and something that I do in class, it is I I I love to. I'd love to explain, explain my poses and why they help you. You know what I mean? It's a lot of time to say, if, 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 if you, you know, as we've been, you know, as we've been, you know, as we've been and fall forward and we bring our heart below our belly bottom, that helps to calm your heart. So some moment you feel your heart is racing and you buy, you know, and you, you're okay. You know, if you feel safe to do it, then, you know, fall forward, hold your elbows, move side to side, you know, and, and they seem to help. The one that everybody loves is the goddess pose. So sometimes we'll be joking about it and we do that and it's okay. And I look at them and they they know by the time I look at them, I say, you know what is coming. Everybody started laughing. I'm like, okay, let's let's show that goddess at us. And there we go. <laughs> and everybody, it, it feels like it's almost like I don't think it's been a day that when like people just go like Everybody just, it, they feel so empowering thing and they just laugh so much when we do that. And I mean, so, you know, it's just, I feel like I use so many things, but I think, you know, I think go to suppose sometimes when we practice balance, people, people seems to be, you know, to love that. And I talk about, you know, the more we try trying to control balance, the quicker is to lose it. But when we trust that balance, mm. when we trust the pose, then, then it comes more ease, with more ease. So I like that. <laughs> so it's the same thing the more we're trying to then it's the more we're trying to control life the more complicated but can we trust can we trust that process in life can we trust and allow it to how to involve thank you <laughs> so we have a question in the chat mm-hmm. and i actually want to open it up to everyone that's on a call on the call because i actually think we have a lot of people on this call or at least a few people that do also work in prisons, not necessarily just volunteer in prisons. Mm-hmm. So I'm opening this question up to everyone. I hope you don't mind, Nachi. No, 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 no. The question is, is it easier for volunteers at a prison to share vulnerability and finding strength compared to prison employees? I suspect that is true, but why? The pressure to maintain the illusion of staff invulnerability is part of the oppression coming in with a whammy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think everything that you're saying has deep truth to it. Part of being a facilitator inside as well. It's not to say that we don't have boundaries. We actually have to have very, very good boundaries to go. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that this work is for everyone. I think that you have to have a lot of discernment. I think that you have to have a lot of awareness and really, really good boundaries. That's just the nature of the work. That's the nature of where we are going into. And that's the paradox of our work as well. I'm not a correctional officer. I don't know what it's like to work in a prison or to have that be my job. but. I imagine that even circumstances beyond a correctional officer's control 
is that they have systems that they need to work within. And part of that is the separation. Part of that is the safety or the separation from someone who is incarcerated versus someone who is caring for the incarcerated. And I think that this speaks to some of the issues that we have with mass incarceration. You know, we have a retributive or a punishment incarceration system. It's not rooted in rehabilitation or healing. And so I think this conversation is, and the movement that we're wanting to be part of is shifting this colossal system from a system of punishment. And that does not mean that we are not wanting accountability. We're shifting from punishment to healing. But I'm interested in if anyone else is going to jump into the chat too. Yeah, no, just to talk about like what do you say? Yeah, and something I didn't mention, you know, when you do this work, yeah, it's very important, you know, to to feel, you know, to to be in a good place. You have to, I had a lot of therapy. So I have worked on myself really a lot for many years now. And to this day, I still talk to my therapist, you know what I mean? Uh, because the support is very important, you know, but be very grounded is very important. Uh, you have to have very strong boundaries, you know what I mean? You 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 love everyone with so much, but boundaries and and be grounded and you know and have um yeah, boundaries, boundaries are very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with the correctional officers, you know, I think I've been I was I've been very lucky that at MDC I have a great relationship with my with my um you know with so far with everyone in there, with my correctional officers, she the one that runs the the program, um, she's amazing and I have a great relationship with her. So, you know, and she I'm working to get the staff also. I even even I say once again, even for them, if it's just once or twice a month to have surf centering classes for them. So, you know, they had mentioned it, you know, I talk to people from uh, Rikers Island and, and MCC and so we are not trying to deal with mental illness. We don't know how to deal when someone is having a hard time. So it will be wonderful, you know, to get it. But I know it changed by state. I know it changed by by prison. But so far, yeah, I've been, I've been very, I, I've been very lucky. Mm. And I think also talking about vulnerability of going in as well. I think there's again the balance. If I am feeling really off Mm -hmm. I don't want to go inside Mm -hmm. I think that you can see so directly your impact when you go into a prison yeah not like walking into other rooms you do have it's a ripple effect there is a wave that's happening um so just speaking to some of like the nuances of being a facilitator inside as well. And yeah. just to plug kind of an, another program that we do, um, our founder, James Fox, we do a series called Prajna and it's open to facilitators in our community. Anyone who's doing our foundational training can come and anyone who's a paying member of our community site can come. And this is definitely where we get into some more of these nuanced conversations. Mm-hmm. Because the work that we do is really complicated. Yeah. 
I do agree with that. And something to share with that vulnerability. You know, I share some of my, my vulnerability. I don't share everything. I share some stuff that I know that might help. But sometimes say, because I say these things that happen to me and sometimes of my process disorder, sometimes when I get nervous, you know, and, and one of the things trauma is, it's funny sometimes when I come knock my door and I know I have to center myself. A lot of times in class, I would say, okay, something is arising. So let's all, and when I see someone that is getting, I know they're, they're start like feeling something. I bring everyone together and, and I literally almost like I don't stop, but I almost bring a grounding exercise at that moment. So I said, let's all take a moment to, to find ourselves, to ground ourselves and to be here, you know, in community. You know, and 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 um, and I think I think that's you know that's something you know to be with your students to read to read where the class it is and where people it is and to move to move with that. Thank you. Okay, we've got the chat coming, which is great. Uh, so a, a person who does work in the prison is saying, interesting. So if you're feeling too vulnerable as a volunteer, you might opt to not enter the prison that day. But what if it's your job? Not so simple to call off. Maybe the alternative is, is to pull up the shields and present as invulnerable. Yes, yes. I, I, I think that our shields and our masks, however they appear, are safety. Whether you're in a safe situation or not a safe situation, you know, this is a, a personal theory but I think so much of our own stuff comes back to, am I safe or am I not safe? And that dictates how we present ourselves. That dictates how we show up. That dictates our relationships, our vulnerability. So I think the answer to so many things, whether we're thinking about it or not, is, am I safe? Mm -hmm. And then we've got another response. Regina, I've thought about this. I'm a mental health therapist in a prison. See, this is why I wanted to open it up. We've got amazing yeah. people in this room as well. Okay, I'll keep going. I see clients individually and also lead a group. In the group, I am more laid back and find myself wanting to be vulnerable in my teaching. However, I have to be careful. Some of the people in the group are also my individual clients. I've thought about what it would be like to be a volunteer instead of a worker and how I might be able to be more open. I do agree that boundaries are very important in this work. Yes. You know, so mm, I'm just thinking of if I want to share the story or not. Um, I think we also have to take into consideration, which I know that all of these people that work in prisons as well and be there full time, um, mm -hmm. is that they are also violent places. And yeah. so you're, it's this just juxtaposition, right? Because it's you're wanting to make places safer, places are violent, and then there's also oppression happening that makes places violent. And I can also see how someone working in a prison might feel powerless to help shift the culture in a prison. I think it takes everyone. It takes a top down. Unfortunately, that's where we are currently. But that's also why being part of movements and having conversations with your coworkers, having conversations with bosses, yeah. 
No, I, I, I do. I don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers, but it will take all of us to figure it out and having conversations like this and coming together um, and being vulnerable and being truthful and what it is like to also work in a prison full time. And clearly I see everyone that is in this room as well as doing amazing work in prisons, a mental health therapist in a prison that's invaluable. And we need a hundred thousand more of you. Um, so also thank you for being here and thank you for your work. And I don't have all the answers. Yeah, no, it's like I said, it's almost like to truly make a change. It's like that, that's, that's, you know, it, we need to start doing this work everywhere. No, not only in prisons, but it really, we need to start going, you know, uh, so we, we start healing each other, you know what I mean? And I think one of the greatest thing in how some of my dreams have shifted is how I can find people within community to do the work that I do. Mm. So now I feel for me, it's not only to be this facilitator in this place, I am looking now in someone in that community they have the, they could be a good, you know, a future facilitator because I believe the community heal within self. So how beautiful we can start making this within the people that work in the correctional officers, but with the people within prison that I uh, sometimes I tell, I, I make print house and I say, hey, if you need to practice, this is what you do. And I go into it. Sometimes I dedicate a day to practice stuff because I feel we we heal together, but we heal in community. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think healing communities, building community, knowing your community yeah. is healing on, on so many levels. Yeah. Mm. I love our organization. I love all I the people that we serve. I love all of the people that come and join us in these thoughtful discussions and I also love that I usually have more questions than answers when I leave. And then it, it feels my, it fuels my curiosity to go and learn more and to dive deeper in. You know, I think I've been part of Prison Yoga Project about three years now. And I don't even know if I'm breaking the surface of really understanding this colossal system that we're all a part of, whether we acknowledge it or not. I, I feel like all I do is study. I feel like I do is read and keep reading and trying to keep uh, keep understanding. But this is a beautiful organization and I love how it's expanding. I love mm -hmm. how it's expanding now to, to do other things. You know what I mean? Because like I mentioned before, we have the prison within these walls, but then we have the prison that we live within our own community, in our neighborhood. And how we can heal that is, it is I'm very excited to see the organization grow and to be part of such a amazing community. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for taking the time out of your beautiful, busy life, running around, facilitating all around New York City, Brooklyn. So thank you so much. Thank you for your endless dedication to the work and the people that we serve. Thank you to this community for just being involved and engaging in conversations. There's a few ways you can continue to stay involved. If you haven't already, I highly recommend our foundational training. It's about 24 hours of self-paced work. And then we have between four and five two-hour workshops where you can come and join. And we do a little bit more embodied work in the workshops, as well as fruitful discussions like this. We host about two webinars a month 
you can go back and check out all of the recordings. We have some of these webinars up on our podcast as well. Thank you again to this amazing community and to all of the people that we serve. Um, you know, and, and the one thing that I was thinking about as well is if you work in a prison, ask for yoga and mindfulness programs. We will serve correctional officers as well. We would be more than happy. We would love to expand programming. So talk, I don't know if you have a, a resource manager, if you have HR, talk about mental health, talk about mental health and correctional officers. We have a couple articles posted on our blog, but I think correctional officers, their lifespan is maybe 15 to 20 years less than the rest of the population. They have a very, very high divorce rate. We see how the system impacts everyone that works in the system. I think that something say they die around 60 years old. So shortly after they retire, they, 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 they die. Wow. Yeah. It's devastating. And, and then I, and I think that's really part of what we are as an organization and where we are rooted in our mission is healing the harm that this system causes on everyone. And that's why we're here. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nettie. Yeah, no, very true to that, and, and, and you know, and that's you know, that's why this this is this to know this work to understand this is so beautiful. So yeah, like you say, I highly recommend it. It, it even it's just just through your own self. You once you start learning what um, childhood trauma does to the body, and it does through your adult life. You know what I mean? And I think one of the greatest beautiful is like like trauma may shape you who you are, but doesn't define who you are. And you have the power and that life within you to, to overcome and to grow and then to use that to empower you and to help others, you know what I mean? And help our society. Thank you. Thank you, everyone on this call. Thank you, Neshi, for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Stay tuned. Stay connected. <laughs>